Hello, everybody, and welcome to Life in a Bubble with me, Oliver Dingley. And it's official, we are back after a little break from recording. So today's guest is a photographer who has photographed some of the biggest names in both music and Hollywood. His photography has been viewed all around the world, even appearing on a billboard in Times Square. Today's guest, the very talented Christian Tierney. Christian, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me. So you're a photographer. You've been lucky enough to travel around the world and also work alongside some amazing people. Who are the, the artists who you've managed to take pictures of? Um, I work mainly with musicians. Um, I've shot too many artists to name, but the main ones that I shoot uh, most of the time and spend the most time with are like Niall Horan, uh, Hayley Steinfeld, Hosier, um, people like that. Um, and then kind of just mainly big pop artists, yeah. So you're 22 years old. How does someone so young break into there? Uh, I feel like I, f I got lucky finding something that I really loved very, very early. I used to skate when I was a kid and all the older kids used to make videos and take photographs of each other doing skate tricks and stuff. So I just naturally did what they did. There was a skate park like two minutes from my house. So I spent every minute up there when I wasn't in school. Um, so I got a camera for Christmas one year and just kept doing that and then eventually I never thought of it as something like a creative outlet or like something I would ever want to do as a job. I thought it was just like purely to just capture the skating. It was it was more to show off like all the new tricks that me and my friends could do or whatever and then as I did it more and more I kind of started to enjoy the photography side of it more than the actual skating and then I put that down and then just went fully into photography and I've always been obsessed with music as well. And when I was 14, a musician in Dublin saw one of my skate videos and asked me to make him a music video and I'd never been paid before and he was like, I'll give you 50 euro and I was like, this is perfect, somebody wants to pay me to put my two favourite things, music and photography together. Um, so I did that and then I was like, I'm just going to dive headfirst into this and just do whatever I can to just keep doing this because if I can make this a career, I think I'd be happy. Filming and taking photos, they're kind of two different things. What interested you so much? Was it the the framing of things, how you could frame a subject? Because obviously mm. your photos are mainly portraiture, yeah. whereas the skate videos would have been a bit more than just portraits. Yeah. Um, I think I just I shot skating just because it was what I was interested in that at that time. And for me, I, I've only, I'm only interested in shooting things that I have a really strong personal interest in, like people have asked me to do weddings before and asked me to shoot various different things um, and I just I, I'd rather just do a different job I just wouldn't enjoy it if I was shooting something that I wasn't like really strongly invested in and skating was something that I was obsessed with at the time and then music is something that I've always been obsessed with so um, even if I photograph musicians that I'm not really that into you can see a massive difference in the quality of the photos I get of them versus artists that like I'm I really I'm into and listen to myself, um. So I kind of I guess I just have a an interest in capturing, um, what I'm passionate about I suppose. And as that passion built, who were the photographers that influenced you? The when it start when I started off, it was mainly video, uh, because I, I there was a guy Jamal Edwards, um, who you have a photo of, um, that ran a YouTube channel in the UK called SPTV and it was kind of it started off finding like the, the best up and coming grime rappers in London and then it moved out into 
filming acoustic sessions with like Ed Sheeran and at the time like Jesse J and Rita Ora and he started off the careers of a lot of those kind of people um, a lot of big artists you'd hear in the UK now made their start on SBTV and I remember finding that channel and just sitting on it all day they had so many they had thousands of videos I basically just wanted to kind of do what he was doing but with the music that I saw in Ireland that I thought deserved the platform as well so that's kind of what I started doing I filmed uh, musicians around Dublin that I thought were great and then when artists came to Dublin on tour I'd email their manager and like beg them to let me shoot them um, usually when I'd film the videos with people from my YouTube channel they'd get me to do it during sound check at the gigs and then they'd say do you want to just hang around and take some pictures for the show so that's how I started shooting shows and um, doing photos of live shows and once I started posting them people started booking me then to do photography for the live shows and then I was like this well this is what I really really love and then um, it became a, a meteoric rise yeah it just kind of snowballed over the next few years yeah so um then I started looking to like music photographers like um like Terry O'Neill who shot like um some of the most classic photos of Elton John and Frank Sinatra and people like that and um, Bob Gruen who was um, John Lennon's photographer and Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan and yeah just kind of those kind of people and then uh, started discovering the kind of newer music photographers and music photography's really kind of exploded in the last like 10 years even less because before artists didn't have like a personal photographer with them all the time it just there was no need for it really a lot of music photographers photographers would have worked for press and magazines and stuff and there weren't that many of them but then with the rise of instagram and social media and every artist having to have content to put out every single day artists now have started hiring personal photographers to follow them all the time so i kind of i feel like i was kind of a the start of the wave of that kind of really kicking off. Probably my favourite music photographer at the moment is a guy called Matty Vogel on tour with Billie Eilish at the moment. He toured with um, with Jared Leto as well. He's I high-fived him once, Jared Leto. Really? I, I did, yeah. At Le- Leeds Fest. Maybe uh, Matty has a photo of it. Yeah, well, probably not. <laughs> I, I was I was in the front row and very merry when he okay. came down and uh, managed to get a high-five. Amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's um, just so many amazing music photographers now that I could just sit here and name them all day. Well, I'm inspired listening to it. And uh, going back to Jamal Edwards, you have a photo of him. So this is our first photo today. And you're going to describe what's on that photo. So this photo is me and him in a a taxi in in London. So when I was like, I think it was 15, I'd been shooting for maybe a year and I still really didn't know what I was doing. But I was obsessed with um, what he was doing and watched everything he did. And he tweeted one day saying this year I want to like meet new people or whatever and posted just his email address for anyone to email him and I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna email I'd never like reached out to somebody before that I admired or anything like that so this was like a really big thing for me I sat down and spent like two hours like crafting an email like pining over every word and every comma and told him about what I do and what I want to do and sent him a few like links to stuff I'd made which were absolutely terrible at the time like didn't expect a response at all and within an hour he came back and was like I'd love for you to come over to London and spend a day with me and shoot some videos for SBTV and uh I, I cried my eyes out it was like the biggest thing that like had ever happened to me for, was, for someone so young as well yeah yeah I was only 14 at the time and um I'd only made like a few things at the time like I had almost nothing to show for myself like my biggest inspiration was like believed said that he believed in me and wanted me to come over and shoot for like the channel that I watch every day and spent hours learning from so um 
that was massive. And then my dad brought me over to London for a day, and um, this photo was um, me and him that day. Yeah. And so he was. Uh, I don't know if pioneer is the right word to use, mm. but he was obviously somebody on top of his game using a tool that has become so popular, which is YouTube. Yeah. And I think that's integral to, to this story as well. It's absolutely. It, yeah. It's it's a platform that has kind of opened the world the world has become a lot smaller these days because you can see so much around the world mm. on youtube and that was uh, essential to, to your rise as well how did his videos help out with your videos um he was very much like kind of the videos very off the cuff um so he just like had one camera and a mic and just he would go to artists wherever they were um, and just like make it work and artists liked being around him and I, I kind of learned how to compose yourself around artists and um, I remember when I started off and say I was given five minutes with an artist when they came to Dublin like a small artist they might be doing like five videos that day and they'll do them all in the same location, like the label or the publicist will like set up five things and just back to back. And I remember when I'd see like the people coming out from before me, like big media outlets, and they'd have like they'd have lights and tons of gear and loads of cameras and they'd tell the artist exactly how to sit and um face this way and start now and look towards this camera and this light. And there was so much going on and they were like they didn't really you could tell they didn't really care about the music and the people filming it weren't really invested in it when I looked at Jamal it was just he'd rock up himself and he'd personally be really interested in the artist and the artist would know that and he'd just say like just wherever you are wherever's comfortable I'm, you just play and I'm just going to be here and I'll capture it and he just made no fuss about it and just let the artist be as comfortable as possible and you could tell that there was that he actually he actually cared about what he was shooting and the artist then gave the best performance and like when people looked up Ed Sheeran acoustic videos or whatever his ones always had way more views than the rest of them because he had a personal relationship with Ed from just appreciating his music at the time and uh you could tell that Ed was comfortable in his presence. He he didn't just he didn't feel like it was just another media outlet trying to get a scoop for views, or whatever. He was like, Well, this guy actually cares. I'm gonna put some effort into it and give him a really, really great performance and that's something I wanted to do. So I always made sure that when I went into shoots, partially because I just had I only had myself and I just had to get the bus into town. I just like had everything I needed in one backpack put the most effort into making sure that I got the best performance out of my artists as I could. Well, yeah. trust trust is key. And and the fantastic thing about YouTube is you have all these rules of filming and videography, but you can break them all. Mm. And you can break them all and film how you want to film yeah. and portray a person how they should be portrayed in a way that you want to portray them and mm. how they can come across as... how they also want to be portrayed, I think, as well, which is the great thing that yeah. I think things like YouTube give. Yeah, for sure. That freedom where you can do whatever you want. Yeah, usually it's just you and you don't have a executive over you telling you what to film and how to film it and what way to edit it. And yeah, you can just do your own thing. So yeah, YouTube gives a great freedom. So my first photo I'm bringing to the table is a picture of you with Hayley Steinfeld, yeah. a Hollywood actress, Oscar nominee. Yeah. And your photo of her 
was on a billboard in Times Square. Mm. How old were you when this happened? This was only about six months ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, this came about, I've been working with Haley for like two years now. Um, we have a really great personal relationship and um, as I said, like if you have a relationship with the artist, it makes it so much easier if, if they know how you work and you know how they work. And um, this was on the music video shoot for her single Afterlife that came out there um, before Christmas. And it was uh, a really like crazy, crazy busy day. We're shooting outdoors in Los Angeles and it was it was during like a heat wave so it was like super super hot and everyone was sweating and they had to get so much done the whole video had to be shot monday and then the day before they said to me they were like we need to get the single cover for the it's the song shot and the press photos for it during the music video shoot so like I was told I'd be given like five minutes, ten minutes with her at the end of each setup because I think there were maybe five or six outfit changes and I was told to have five, five ten minutes with each one. And then, as music videos always do, they run on and there's no time. And so I had to kind of... I had like five seconds here and there to try and jump in and get portraits of her um, that she could use for the single cover and use for um, the press photos. So this was the first setup really early morning I think it was like 8am and the uh, 8am is really early morning for people who work in music because Oliver <laughs> works at night usually um, but uh, yeah there's this, there was this gorgeous like hazy the sun was really low in the sky uh, it was hitting the back of this like beautiful dress she had on the whole fl- sky was flooded with like haze for this sh- specific shot so it, it just looked incredible and um, that was just she was getting her dress fixed in between two shots and I just ran in and caught a couple of portraits and then when the single came out this one ended up being chosen for um, by Apple for the, the billboard to promote the song in Times Square. Well, two two things. Uh, one of them strikes me in particular about the photo but one of them strikes me about you from your YouTube days mm. and from your photography is your ability to adapt mm. to different situations at a, a click of a finger. Yeah. And I can imagine that's the life of a photographer really just having to change to all these different scenarios. Yeah, I feel like that changes wildly depending on what type of photography you do. It's really interesting when I have friends who are like fashion photographers and they've come and tried to shoot gigs before and fashion photographers are used to being in a studio where they're in control of absolutely everything. They choose how the light is, they choose how the backdrop is, the styling. You can take as long as long as you want because there's not really time pressure and usually fashion shoots could be a whole day. Um, whereas with the stuff I do... I have to be able to just capture, as I said, capture things in a couple of seconds. And I don't get to set up anything a lot of the time, especially with live music. If I'm shooting a show, it's been lit by a lighting designer, the set's been designed by somebody else. I can't tell the person on stage what to do. I just have to be able to react and capture what they do. So it's interesting when like a fashion photographer comes and tries to shoot a show and they kind of freak out because they're like, oh my God, I'm not in control of anything. I just, they're not trained for that. And then when you put like a music photographer who's used to that chaos into a fashion studio and then they kind of freak out because I'm like, what do, what do I do with all of this time <laughs> and resources? And I, I don't, I've never had to light something before. So that's something, one of my big goals for this year is to try and, um, go into a kind of studio space and kind of un, undo that kind of um, learned kind of thing of like I have to get the shot in five seconds and actually take more time to be creative and set things up and learn how to light things properly in a studio but I do think that it's really stood to me because a lot of the time now 
like with celebrities especially you don't get very long with them so you have to kind of be able to get the shot really really quickly and I think shooting music has really trained me to be able to do that yeah that's a beautiful photo and uh, if okay if you will put it on our social media yeah and uh, could we get you to describe the photo to everyone Um, she's wearing this beautiful headdress and uh, beautiful dress I can't remember the name of the designer but uh, it was lovely. And she's backlit by the beautiful LA sunlight as her hands up to her face. It's very kind of, um, it's almost religious in a way. It's like, uh, it, I feel like you could see it on a, a stained glass window maybe. I don't know. It's very, um, she looks very powerful in it, very strong. Um, I think that's what comes out to me first and foremost is she just looks powerful. Yeah, she looks completely in control. She looks so confident. Um, and the song is about women kind of being respected while they're around and their work being appreciated and um, like will you remember me after I'm gone and is speaking of female empowerment within mm. photography are yep. there more and more women getting involved in photography absolutely like most of my favourite photographers are women That's yeah unfortunately they don't really get the credit they deserve a lot of the time um, I one of my best friends uh, Lucy Foster is an absolutely incredible photographer Um and I know she's she's had challenges that I never had to face just because she's a woman. And I know of um, uh, women who don't get paid as much as men for doing the same job in photography. And it's really a pity because, as I said, like m- like all of them are as good, if not better, than a lot of the male photographers. But for some reason, um, they just have it more difficult as as the, a lot of women in the world in a lot of industries. Um, but I think. Uh, it's gradually starting to shift and there was a like an awards recently where they were like for best music photographer and it was a, there was 11 nominees and none of them were women and i think the problem is more big artists have to start hiring female photographers because if there aren't as many hired then there aren't as many that can be nominated there's so many out there um, Miranda McDonald is an amazing photographer. She was touring with Julia Michaels this year. She shoots um, Shawn Mendes sometimes as well. She's absolutely in- insane. Um, my friend Beth Saravo was touring with State Champs this year, and she's she tours with lots of kind of big um, uh, pop punk bands. She's incredible. Uh, Phoebe Fox was touring with um, Anne Marie this year. Absolutely smashed it. She did Heim stuff last year. She's like a big inspiration of mine. Two of my favorite photographers, um, Zoe Grossman, does a lot of um, kind of editorial stuff with celebrities. Um, that photo, probably subconsciously, that I took of Haley is very inspired by. She did a, a cover for a magazine with Zoe Kravitz, and I remember seeing it and just thinking, she looks so powerful in this photo. Um, Sasha Samsonova is another. She does a lot of work with um, with Kylie Jenner and Kendall Jenner. Um, she shoots almost exclusively women and um same thing again it's she just makes people look so confident and powerful and shoots them in a really unique and comfortable way and as i said earlier with my music videos you can just tell when a photographer is able to make a subject look and feel at ease and they do it exceptionally well and on a personal note Mm. what was it like seeing your photo on a billboard in uh, times square that was like one of the I find it very hard to be proud of myself and to kind of celebrate like achievements or like milestones in my career um but this was one 
I've always wanted a billboard in Times Square and you see Apple billboards, you see Spotify, things go up. And I thought that's, I feel like when I get that, that's when I know that I'm a real music photographer. Like I've, like I'm actually doing this. If like, I'm not just winging it anymore. Well, you've, um, you've hit one. You've hit one uh, mark, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty more to come. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it was very special. The next photo I brought in is of Niall Horan at the Olympia Theatre, um, just over two years ago. Niall was playing his first ever show by himself and I knew the drummer in his band at the time and I just asked for like a photo pass and I was like can I go down shoot the f-? usually you get to shoot the first three songs if you just have like a generic photo pass um, so I got a photo pass to shoot the first three and there were like maybe ten photographers in the pit I wasn't really particularly delighted with the photos and but I, I thought there was something it's, it's mad There's par- I, I'm, I'm a person who believes that nothing happens for a reason I'm very much like a like things only happen when you make them happen but for some reason I'm starting to change my mind because there's times in my life where I've just had a feeling where it's like if you do, if you do this now or you do something that you usually wouldn't do now I feel like something good's going to come out of it and then a lot of the times when I follow that instinct something massive happens um, and usually when I shoot the first three songs of a show I'd just hang around and watch the rest of the show and then I'd go home and I'd edit the photos or I'd do them the next morning. Um, but for some reason I finished, I, I shot the first three songs that night and something in my head was like, run home right now, leave the rest of the show and edit these as soon as possible and try and send them to somebody that you know. So I knew the drummer in the band and see just on the off chance he might show them to Niall. Um, and I'd never met Niall at this point. Ran straight out of the venue, got on the bus, went home edited maybe 15, 20 photos. And I was like, in my head, I was like, I, I'm not happy with these. They're not like to the level that I'd, I'd be happy really kind of sharing with somebody. Um, but I was like, I've nothing to lose. So I emailed a batch of them to, to Jerry, the drummer at the time. Then I got a, a message like 20 minutes later being like, I just showed these denial. He really likes them. They're asking, can you send on a few more? And I was like, I hardly even like the first few. I've no, I've none left that I'd be like happy to send. So then I went through and I scraped through and found like maybe five or ten more that like I thought these are acceptable somewhat to send. And this photo was one of the ones that I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I'll put it in because he wants to see a few more. And I, then the next day I got an email from his management being like, Niall absolutely adored this photo. It's like his favourite photo that anyone's taken of him. Um and it's it was such a special moment for him we'd love for you to come and meet him and potentially work with us going forward it just kind of showed for me like a lot of the times since i've been touring like i deliver photos to artists every night and i might give them 50 shots and the ones that i like are not necessarily the ones that they like and the ones that they like are ones that i'm not mad into but he explained it to me then a few months later when we started working together full time he was like that photo it was the first song of the show and the first chorus is kind of this lift and he was like it was the first song of my first show ever and he has his hand up in the photograph and his eyes are closed and he was like when I put my hand out and I closed my eyes like it was a moment where I was like this feels like a really special moment and you captured that moment in a way that nobody else in the 
at shooting the gig that night captured it and I had, I had no idea I, I didn't know that this was a special moment for him I didn't know that that's what was happening but for some reason I was the one who captured it and um, he was he was like that's why I wanted to work with you again and um, and then we worked with each other again met up got on really well and then they said do you want to come on tour and it's kind of been uh, history since then yeah we've been working full time with Niall since then so this photo, which just shows and shares that special moment, but you got to take it one step further and not just do one moment, but you got mm. to share his journey Yeah. on the, yeah. on the tour. How was it going on tour, something you've aspired to do? Yeah, that was, it was really special. It was like, that was the same thing. That was probably the biggest um, milestone moment for me in my career, uh, getting to go on tour, getting to go on tour with somebody similar age to me, who's also Irish, that I get on really well with. I think that, as I said earlier, that makes such a difference when you can make a connection with an artist. And like we're just we're just friends now. And I'm able to. I I feel like everybody you photograph is different. Like with Conor McGregor, it, I got the best images of him by just being a fly on the wall, not really engaging and just kind of capturing what I saw from a distance. And for that worked for him. And then that works with certain other other artists I work with um, but with Niall it was like I was very quickly realised the dynamic that he has and he wants to be friends with everybody in the tour and there's a really great like kind of family vibe on the tour and doesn't want like there's nobody on the tour really kind of has just a professional relationship everyone's friends and everyone gets on and everyone eats together and everyone travels together and he like he stays on the bus with me and the tour manager and the, and the band and that kind of um kind of closeness and connection with everybody makes the photos um, makes it much easier to kind of get those special candid moments because he almost forgets that the camera's there and I can just snap away and it's it doesn't I don't feel like I'm ever overstepping because kind of we have such a close um, respectful relationship just a load of lads travelling and then every second night we just happen to do a gig um, so that was like a, I kind of got really really spoiled with my first touring experience because not every, not every tour is like that so um he really kind of curated a great team of people around him and uh yeah it was really special and it's that really really changed my life because as i said i wanted to do that for years and i wasn't sure if i'd ever get the opportunity and that really kind of kick-started it and once you kind of do one tour people go oh well if he can do that tour then he can do this tour and like i always say like 90 percent of being a touring photographer is being somebody that an artist will be able to live with for six months a year and then 10% is being able to take the photographs as people I've heard of who've gone on tours take amazing photographs but got kicked off after a week because they just didn't gel with the artist and there's no point in being able to take amazing photographs if you, you can't work with people um, and you do live in very close quarters with people on tours you live on like we live on a bus with 10 people um, in bunks so uh, if if somebody doesn't get on with somebody on a tour, it's very hard to kind of put it aside or ignore it because you're living in such close quarters to them. So, um, yeah, I kind of just try and um, be as easy to work with as possible. So he he sounds like he's a fantastic guy to work with, and yeah. I think that's why he's got why his fans adore him so much. And uh, you're lucky that you can share his story to all well, ten million or more or so mm. of his fans. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think like being genuine kind of shows through and you can tell when you look at artists who's who's genuine and who isn't and it's mad 
how on tours the kind of the whole vibe of the tour and how people act and um the demeanor of how everyone works every day like trick really trickles down from the artist and if the artist is genuine and they treat everyone well then there's just a great vibe on the tour and then every, it's, it's kind of hard for everyone to knock it on but then if an artist or somebody at the top isn't uh isn't very pleasant then that kind of really affects the whole the whole vibe whole yeah. dynamic whole dynamic yeah yeah. So we've spoken about someone your own age in Niall Horan. Going to somebody a little older now in our next photo. It's a picture of you with Michael D. Higgins. Yeah. Please Presidente. explain. Yes. Um, yeah, this was a a mad one. So my friend, one of my best friends, Brendan Canty, is a director. And he's been a massive inspiration to me for my whole career as well. I met him. The first ever big gig that I... Um, shot or big artist was uh, Macklemore when I was 15 he came to Dublin to play in the academy and it was just before Thrift Shop came out so nobody really knew him I I just had coincidentally heard one of his old songs in a skate video and I'd gotten into him that way and emailed his management and went down and shot him and then like a month later Thrift Shop came out and he blew up and he was a massive star and that was like a big help to me because I could use that to kind of get more artists but on that day um, Brendan had been hired um, by somebody that Macklemore knew in Ireland to like film his trip and then Dahi who's another one of our great friends uh, a, a music producer who plays the fiddle um, he makes like dance music with Irish inspired sounds it's really amazing um, he was opening for Macklemore that night so I, I met those two guys for the first time that night and we became really good friends and um, I've, Brendan's helped me a lot through the years but uh, this last year Brendan uh, made Michael D. Higgins' election campaign video so he filmed uh, basically it was kind of like filming Michael D's Ireland and how diverse Ireland is and so he went and he uh, filmed some amazing scenes with um athletes from the Special Olympics and went and filmed uh, a day with these young rappers uh, living in direct provision and we got to meet them and spent some time with them and they were kind of, um, uh, there's a girl we know called Shiva who does an amazing um, uh, kind of creative uh, initiative with children and teenagers living in direct provision and she brought us down and introduced us to all the all the kids but um and I took some portraits of of the guys and they're really really great guys and um yeah and as as part of of that as a thank you um Michael D invited everybody who was involved in that kind of whole campaign video uh, to come to his annual garden brunch and um yeah, and Brendan brought us brought us also the picture is me and my friend Lachlan, who's also a great director, Lachlan McKenna, uh, with the the man himself, Miggledy, uh, with the the famous doggo. So that was a uh, that was a great day. Yeah, we had lunch and drank a load of free wine, and um, yeah, it was a really nice moment to be there with like a load of my best friends. Yeah, you can't beat that, and that's that's a great day to share with your friends, big time. Yeah. And work outside of your photography you mentioned there about going down and, and working with a different initiative mm. you yourself have done talks yeah I haven't done any in a while I'd love to do more um, the first kind of big one I've done a few things in like in colleges to like photography courses and stuff like that um, 
But I, I did one at a, a conference in the RDS a couple of years ago um, for a, a new youth conference called Zeminar. And um, there was like, a, a, I think it was like a thousand people at it or something. And um, it was basically just about uh, following a, an alternative career path. Like I went to a very academic school for my last year in school and was always very academic in my old school as well. And my teachers all wanted me to do like English literature or engineering and stuff like that. And uh, then I decided not to go to college at all. And pe- a few people thought I was absolutely insane, especially in the in the college or the school I was in, where almost everybody in the year was going for like medicine or law or science. And I was like, no, nah, I'm just gonna wing it myself and take some pictures. And everyone thought I was mad. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I luckily I'd been doing it for like by the time I finished school because I started at fourteen, I'd already been doing it for four years, and I knew that I was making money at it. And if I just kept on going, it was it was only kind of getting bigger and bigger. So I believed in believed in myself. Um, so yeah, so I did a talk about like like going and like chasing the the career that you want, and like a lot of people that I went to school with when they were like I was saying like what what are you going to do ne- what do you want to do next year and like oh, I want to go and study medicine and like obviously there were a couple of people who genuinely were really interested in it but like most of the options most of the answers were like I'd say like where's your passion for medicine come from and like a lot of them were just kind of, a lot of people were just doing it because their parents wanted them to do it or because because they could get a lot of points they felt like they had to use all those points in the leaving cert um, which is bizarre because like, the point system in the leaving cert is purely down to demand so if like um, courses can go up and down by 100 points depending on what year it is so um, yeah people who got like 520 points and they're like oh well I got that many points so I should do like a really high points course even though they're not really interested in it or people just going for jobs because they make loads of money but they don't necessarily um enjoy the job or they're not passionate about it and to me that sounds like my worst nightmare like I'd rather be like scraping along doing something I love than making a load of money and hating going into work every day and I heard somebody describe before of like doing a job that you hate just for the money is like marrying somebody that you don't get on (laughs) with just for the money it's like in the short term it's great because you make a lot of money but then like you're you're tied to that forever and you're like you're going to be unhappy you're going to be miserable I'm sure there's a fair few people out there who would probably agree yeah so um, so yeah I just I did a talk basically just kind of encouraging people to take the risk and go after what they want to do I I think it was um, somebody said in like a big a big actor a few years ago I can't remember who it was saying um, like you can you can go and do something that you don't enjoy uh, to try and make more money but you can all you can fail at something that you don't enjoy so why not just try and do the thing you do enjoy and if you fail you can always try and do something else then but um yeah we're all gonna die so we might as well try and enjoy it when we can very very true and your story especially is is a great story and a great role model for people to look Thank up you. to and uh, not just in your your everyday usual fields as well there's so many other avenues out there and creative avenues yeah and i think that's one of the most important parts and enjoyable parts of working in the media I guess for you is the creativity yeah and being able to transcend that into your work for sure yeah I feel like a lot of if I feel like I'd be doing it regardless of the fact I'm getting paid for it I know that I'm doing the right thing you know and I feel like a lot of sports people would be like that as well if they weren't doing it as a job they'd still be doing it after work or at the weekends you know 
So you're, you're notable for your portraiture photography, mm. but recently you went to Spain, and that's your final photograph. Yeah, this photo um, was taken, same guys that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, Brendan and Dahi, that I met at the Macklemore gig all those years ago. Brendan came across a video online, a short documentary about this like really old, I think it's like 500 year old religious festival called um, Las Luminarias, which translates to the bonfires. And it's in uh, a tiny little town about two and a half hours north in the mountains of um, of Madrid called San Bartolomé de Pinares. And we saw this and we're like, this looks absolutely incredible. We have to go to this and have to uh, photograph this. Um, thinking it was like a big tradition in Spain that everybody knew about. And we landed in Madrid and stayed there for one night and went to a Madrid match. And we were talking to the person who owns our Airbnb and they were like, what are you here in Madrid for? And we're like, oh, we're going up to the the festival in Las Luminarias tomorrow and she was like, what are you talking about? And we very quickly realised that Brendan had stumbled across this video thinking it was like a massive thing but it's actually like very, very small and not many people know about it and um, so we, we drove up and we were like the only non-locals at it um, so basically their pa- the patron saint of that town is St Anthony and every year the start of, in the middle of January they do like bonfires all through the town it's a tiny little town I think only like I, I can't remember exactly the number of people but it's something like only like 200 people or something live there and it's almost all like middle-aged or elderly people because young people just move as soon as they hit 18 and go to Madrid because there's really nothing in the town it's very very old farming rural town almost everybody there is a farmer and so they build these bonfires every year and everybody uses horses for the work and it's meant to be like a purification process so 130 horses uh, jump through these bonfires for two hours and um, they think that 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 purifies the horses for the, the coming year so that they'll do better work and bless their livestock Um it's intriguing. It's yeah. an intriguing thing it's, to capture as well, I'm it's sure. It's amazing, yeah. It's re- like, I love, I'm really obsessed with like old European traditions. I've had a, the chance to photograph a couple of them now. Um, but this one was really, really special and such a kind of um, dramatic thing to photograph as well. And um, the photograph that I'm showing here is uh, a young boy on the way into the town, riding through the mountains with the sun setting, uh, preparing for his first ever jump. He'd never done it before. A lot of them, you see like kids sitting on the back of their father's horses. And this was like this guy's first ever time doing it. And he was like so excited about it. And they they bring the horses into the town a day or two early and prepare them. So they like braid up the manes so they don't get, they don't burn. And they cover them in this uh, like fire retardant um, like gel that stops the horses from getting burnt. There's this whole kind of ritualistic process. And the guy was bringing his horse into the town um, to prepare for that but uh, yeah we just kind of went over on a whim not really knowing what we were kind of getting ourselves into and it ended up being like one of the most amazing experiences of my whole life and uh, the people there were incredible and so exciting and everyone was so welcoming and they're some of my favourite photos I've ever taken mm-hmm. but yeah as, as you said like most of my work is shooting musicians and celebrities and this was kind of my first time really diving headfirst into something completely different and it kind of lit a fire in me to kind of go and do more of this stuff and I'd love to travel and since then I've learned about so many other amazing traditions that we have just even in just in Europe like almost every town in Spain has an amazing tradition and Italy's incredible for it as well like I was at um, the uh, Calcio Storico in Florence in Italy which is like this medieval 
sport it's like 27 aside mixture between football and wrestling where <laughs> and it's 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 crazy and there's four teams in Florence and every year they play each other in the center in the square where Galileo's body is buried and it's such a massive thing and like the Florentine people take such pride in in their team and it's all voluntary and it just it just happens for two weekends a year and it's it's absolutely incredible and I think it's amazing and it's there's something like that we sh- we shouldn't lose. I think I hope we never lose those kind of things that make places really special. And you can see that it really kind of brings people together. And um, this photo kind of kickstarted that whole passion. Well, Christian, I'll have to put some of those places on my bucket list. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of another episode. Thanks to Christian, and most importantly, thank you to all of you for listening. All the photos can be found on our Facebook and Instagram page at Life in a Bubble Podcast. Thank you for your patience as we took a break from recording whilst the COVID-19 lockdown measures were in place. Everyone here at Life in a Bubble Podcast hopes that you've all kept safe during these sad times, which has seen so many people hit hard by this pandemic. It has, however, been really fantastic to see so many acts of compassion and kindness during this time. Now, next time, we have television producer Debbie O'Donnell on the podcast. So until then, take care, look after yourselves, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Life in a Bubble is produced by myself and Amma Adu. Marco Dwyer and Katie Hackett are the show's researchers. Michaela Maloney, Nicola Fitzsimons, Josh Balf, Anisha Cheyenne Rice, and myself are the show's editors. And the show's sound technicians are Nicola Fitzsimons and Anisha Cheyenne Rice. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Take care. See you next time.